Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. We welcome a wide and exceptionally impressive array of guests, business leaders, HR leaders, academics, practitioners, consultants, and authors to talk about the most timely, relevant, and challenging issues that are influencing the workplace today. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed. Welcome to At Work in America with Trish and Steve. Uh, today, Trish, we've got a great subject. We are going to be talking about the great attraction as opposed to the great resignation. We've talked about the great resignation for months now, and it is a real thing, right? Uh, many organizations are struggling to hire and to retain. I've talked ad, ad nauseum about the millions of people who are quitting their jobs every month for the last uh, eight or 10 months. But uh, we're going to try to spin this a little bit forward today and talk about what organizations can do to kind of uh, uh, keep their employees and attract new ones. So it should be a great conversation. Yeah, I'm excited. I think we have heard a lot about sort of the negative aspect of it. And so this is a much more positive, like you mentioned, forward looking and and let's get to it. Yeah, our guest today, uh, we're really excited to welcome him to the show, an old uh, Oracle colleague of mine from way back when, Trish. This is great to see him again. Our guest today is Nagaraj Nadenla. He's the SVP of development at Oracle Cloud HCM. He leads the development of cloud recruitment solutions, including Oracle Recruiting and Taleo, which is how I met him, I think, originally way back when. Uh, Nagaraj, welcome to the uh, the show. How are you today? Thank you, Steve and Trish. Um, it's great to be here. Great to see you. So first off, before we get into sort of the great resignation slash spin forward to the great attraction, just maybe give us a little bit. I, that was the briefest of bio, so I do appreciate like <laughs> the your PR rep for giving us that, uh, Nagaraj. But maybe you want to share a little bit more about kind of what, what your role is uh, at Oracle, what you're doing, and, and some of the things that are happening there. Sure. Um, you, you know, I, I manage the cloud recruiting solutions as you've, um, you know, got the briefest of the bios. But my, you know, my, my role entails, you know, product strategy, you know, organic and organic investments, product management, development, quality. Uh, as you're aware, Steve, I spend a lot of time with customers, prospects, and, you know, industry analysts and, you know, and of course you. Looks like uh, us, yeah. We've, we've had many conversations before, so you know, all of these um, sort of help us inform us about trends and, you know, technologies. But at my heart, I'm a technologist at the end of the day. You know, I love technology. I've been in, you know, traditional CRM domain, supply chain, and now it's CM for the last decade plus. So uh, there's a lot of patterns that I've learned from CRM and supply chain that also apply to um, particularly talent acquisition, as you can imagine. So um, broadly, that's been my background. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Naraj, because I think that that's one area where HR professionals over especially the last decade have been starting to pay more attention to CRM being, you know, and supply chain and what's going on. And especially these last two years, right, with the pandemic, we're all a little more aware of supply chain issues. Could you maybe just spend a minute or two and, and talk about that relationship between them a little more in depth, maybe if there are HR professionals out there who aren't quite sure um, how it all sort of ties together and how you can like weave a thread through that. Sure. Um, you know, if you, and there's a, obviously there's a technology underpinning, but there's also patterns, you know, specifically from CRM, if you think about it, Trish, 
you know, consumers are tracked, targeted, and converted by brands. You know, it could be some of the most mundane um, products and services, all the way to high-end products and services in the consumer world. So, attracting talent um, in many ways requires this, you know, same level of engagement. Um, you know, being able to target the right talent for the right skills you're looking for. So there's many patterns and we've seen many customers, not only in the last two years or two, three years, but the adoption has only steadily increased over the last decade since I've been in this role. And, and you know, and that's a, one of the most interesting things about my job, how you attract consumers or talent. There's a lot more confluence of that but equally important is the technology has evolved and the adoption is only increasing, as I've said. Now, the second aspect uh, that's interesting for me is also supply chain. You know, there's, there's to meet your demand, you need supply. And the supply of skill sets particularly has changed. And, you know, there's so much research out there that says the skill sets required for jobs of the future, either they have to, you know, you'd have to develop them now or you'd have to acquire them somehow, right? So talent optimization or, you know, supply chain demand planning on all these um, concepts come into play. So if you think about traditional supply chain optimization, um, you know, there's models that are just in time, uh, inventory management models. So whether, you know, exactly that is adopted or not, having a pipeline, and I'm sure you know you heard this in the talent acquisition world, having a pipeline readily available to slot them in, you know, particularly talent with skills, as your needs evolve and arise, um, and having that visibility for CHROs and talent acquisition leaders in organizations today, it's almost table stakes today, right? So, there's these patterns that come into play and having been in uh, multiple domains, you know, I feel like, and we at Oracle feel like it's a distinct advantage. I love that answer. Thank you for sharing that. Definitely about the patterns of behavior, because it isn't always very different between being a consumer and then being someone who's a potential employee, a candidate, a future candidate. So yeah, nice tie-in. Now, Garaj, you mentioned you spent a lot of time with customers, right? And so you're responsible for the recruitment solutions or talent acquisition solutions, however we want to term those. So I imagine many of those conversations you've had over the last, well, a couple of years, right? Certainly have been around this great resignation slash, uh, I don't want to use that metaphor, the, the difficulty in acquiring the kinds of people that the organization may need with the right kinds of skills, as you mentioned, Nagaraj, building that pipeline. Uh, maybe, uh, Nagaraj, if you don't mind, just generally maybe share uh, what you're hearing from the customers, and then, then we can get into what are some of the things that you slash uh, your teams recommend that these customers can do to try to to try to combat this great resignation that we've been talking about so much. Yeah, I almost want to go back to the term you were trying to avoid, Steve. I know, <laughs> I, you know, I, yep. Yeah, you know, but, but I think it's been a gathering storm. It only got worse with the onset of COVID um, and it upended lifestyles and, you know, professional lives and personal lives in many ways. So I would say that gathering storm, you know, with the effects of the pandemic, right, you know, 
it created more awareness, um, I would say, to talent in general about their own needs and blending, you know, uh, a, uh, the work-life balance elements and the impacts it had. I think it's, you know, I was looking at the SHRM report um, the other day. Um, you know, the report suggests that in 2021, 4 million jobs people have left 4 million jobs on, a, on an average basis monthly, which is almost like 100% larger than what it used to be previously, right? So I, I think more than, off, at least from what we've seen, more than office workers, the deskless workers probably have had a significantly more impact on them. You know, first the shutdown, and then, you know, the recovery, the, the fits and starts that we've had and, and now things are, you know, hopefully getting back to a more normal pace. Many of our customers, you know, particularly the deskless workers, the biggest challenge has been, I just can't find talent. So there are solutions for those for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's, and it's an evolving story. Um, and if you kind of flip that and look at, um, you know, our own research, the Oracle uh, 2021 AI at work research, 80% of the people negatively impacted in various ways, um, sort of being at home in the confines of home, you know, professionally working, uh, et cetera. It, it brought out, I think, aspects of their own, um, you know, feeling stuck in, in their profession, in their career, in, in, in what they're doing. I, I think it's just made it whatever we were feeling innately, it just brought it to the fore, uh, you know, emphasizing and accentuating, um, you know, many of the uh, traditional problems, you know, whether it's career development, mobility, opportunities to develop skills, many of those things, I think, just played themselves out and, you know, uh, became important. Yeah. You know, as you're talking with your customers, are you hearing that there are certain areas um, that you just mentioned, right, with mobility and and skills and and so forth, is there one or two of those areas that seems to be kind of moving to the forefront for the customers in terms of priority, or are you seeing more of an even spread around different approaches to this approach to attraction of talent? I, I think skills have definitely um, we see a lot more interest in skills and um, skills based. Um, I would say, you know, going back to the uh, example I was talking about with uh, supply chain, skills, based, skills management in general, getting an inventory of what skills do I have within the organization? Mm -hmm. What skills do I need to develop? Uh, and helping their talent with skill development, whether it's through, you know, there's many euphemisms that are used today, you know, tours of duty or gigs or, yeah. you know, um, short-term opportunities and assignments to to work on, to, to help develop. So I think there's definitely more of that that we see that surfaced. See, and, and of course, you know, our own investments are also tracking to, um, we did a, just before the pandemic in 2019, we did a, uh, at Oracle's Open World, a private, um, in a private setting with some of our strategic customers, we did a conversation about, uh, and, you know, uh, Deloitte has some research about this, that increasingly skills will become more and more important. And fast forward three years, we're talking about it. 
and yeah. Oracle has made investments. And, you know, we kind of, we ourselves at the time placed some bets and those bets are coming to fruition. And our customers are, are seeing that. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure as you see our own products evolve, you'll see more and more of that. That's interesting. Steve and I were just talking yesterday with um, a CHRO of a, a mid-sized company. And we were talking about that very thing where like there's this time to, um, which is often a decade of, you know, from an idea to actually being something that, you know, organizations are implementing on a regular basis. And it sounds like though, you know, at Oracle, and we, we've both seen this, it's a much faster time from innovation to actually working with your clients and implementing some of those solutions. So do you have any, like, um, I don't know, little tips or tricks, right? If you're someone who's in human resources and you're feeling like I want to maybe try some of these things, right? Some of these new approaches with skill development, for example, as I'm trying to attract people, um, how would they approach senior leaders who might be sort of reluctant to make quick changes because we've all had to make some very fast changes. So are you getting any uh, feel for how they might approach those conversations? Um, yeah. Um, and by the way, we have these conversations internally as well at Oracle. I'm sure you've yeah. heard of them before. I, I, I think one approach that we've seen customers take is getting a sense of what um, skills inventory that I have on hand today, mm-hmm. right? And also based on business priorities, what are the skills we need to develop? That will drive the, the tools, technologies, and other things that they adopt. Um, and it's, for, so there's a technology underpinning, but I think the, you know, one approach, as I said, is get, let me get a sense of what I have today, right? And then, um, how do I march towards what I need can be derived from that. The other is, um, you know, and, and depending on the size of the customer, uh, the amount of effort it takes to get to um, getting an inventory of all the skill sets, they might start in certain critical areas first to mm-hmm. bring the problem or to evolve the solution per se. One other approach we've seen is customers um, beginning to, while they work on getting a sense of the inventory of skills they have, let me start with, again, in limited fashion, as they acquire talent, start tracking the skills. You know, you might not do anything with it immediately, but let me start collecting what skills they have Great. so that it can aid in other talent processes, particularly managing the career aspirations of uh, the talent you're hiring in the future. Thank you. I love that suggestion because I think sometimes it's very overwhelming when you start to think about, am I going to do the skills inventory for an entire organization, right? I, I like that idea of maybe to start with that first group, right? The people that are coming in right now, then you can always work backwards, right? Or into those critical areas of the business and, and work from there. So great, great suggestions. Thank you. One of the things, this is maybe slightly adjacent to the pure kind of talent acquisition technology, uh, Nagaraj, that you've worked uh, it, it around for, for quite a while and we're familiar with is, uh, but a lot of the AI um, technologies now really help by um, illuminating or, or surfacing uh, both skills and then opportunities, right, for employees. So they they can, one of the things we talked about for a long time in HCM tech, I, know, I mean, forever, right, was we'd create these systems that had these really robust uh, uh, capabilities for employee profiles, 
but yet we couldn't get employees to fill them out or populate them or populate them accurately. They often didn't really feel like, well, why should I do this? This is silly, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some maybe merit to that. But what we've seen over the last few years is better technology, uh, AI technology that can help surface uh, skills that are maybe, uh, maybe the employee probably has or could develop fairly easily. And then also service developmental opportunities, right, for them to develop these skills and then uh, that would align with uh, hopefully both, right, the needs of the organization, right, to meet their business objectives and also what the employee desires uh, him or herself, right, from a career development perspective. And they've come a really, really long way. And like I've seen some demos of this stuff and it's super impressive, like what these technologies can do. They do, Steve. And, you know, you, you touched on an important aspect um, as much as, um, talent acquisition and, you know, is about external talent. It's equally internal talent as well. And many organizations, sure. and you've seen this in the last decade, the amount of emphasis on internal mobility has only grown. So I'll do a shameless plug. You know, I, you know, in these conversations, I typically don't plug in Oracle products, but we're one of the only vendors that actually enables employees to import their LinkedIn profile mm -hmm. that drives all of the talent processes. So, we, um, it, it, and it, with that, you can start getting a sense of what skills do I have? So rather than, you know, while organizations can do this themselves, it can also start, you know, it's like both sides need to meet each other in the middle, right? So individual employees can also start making the organization aware of here's the skill sets I have, right? Of course, organizations need to give them reasons to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's the onus on the employers, but equally important, you know, the onus is on uh, onus on employees. Let me let me make the organization aware of who I am through this profile, and from that you could AI, which we do, artificial intelligence and machine learning can derive the skill sets, which I as an employee can confirm. Yeah, I've got this, and then that can drive you know short term opportunities, gigs, or you know tours of duty, whatever euphemisms we use to continue to develop. And then the opportunities internally can be matched automatically without me looking. So I, I think these technologies are here today. It's happening as we speak. It'll only accelerate as I see, you know, in the next three to five years. I think one thing that's interesting about that capability you just shared is that when you pull something from LinkedIn, often people over the years have really made their LinkedIn profile so robust beyond what their, maybe their last position or two entailed, they might have done volunteer work. They might work, um, you know, in their church or in the local community center, or other, other things outside of what you would consider even their sort of, I'm doing air quotes, like normal job skills. And to me, that's really important too, to be able to capture skills that, the company might ha not have had access to before that aren't even job related. Um, so that when you do have these situations where you're short staffed, maybe it isn't about moving someone, you know, kind of up the ladder, if you will, it is about a completely different position that you didn't even realize they had skills to perform that you can uh, start that conversation um, I know in HR, we, we tried that years ago, but it was always, you know, it was something we did on paper or by calling around, you know, who has someone who might be able to do this random sort of skill. Um, I do think that when I've, you know, seen what you're doing at Oracle, 
I love that you can pull in beyond just kind of the job description skills, if you will, and get, get that whole picture of the person. Absolutely. And, and uh, as we expand the number of domains that we have this skills ontology about over time, it becomes, you know, you can start to track the adjacencies. If I've got these skills, a lot of times, uh, particularly for organize, and this is a problem on both ends, both for employers and individuals, what could I be doing with my skills beyond what I think I do, right? Or yes. I'm good at. And if there's a system or there's recommendations, much like products, right? You go to Amazon or any of the consumer sites, you didn't think about it, but somebody kind of say, hey, people like you are also looking at these other products. So maybe people like me with these skill sets could also be good at other opportunities, you know, career choices, et cetera. And that discovery can lead to, you know, very positive outcomes, both for employees and employees. Yeah, I agree. I think it what, what I'm sort of interpreting that as it really helps the HR professional um, or the employee ultimately tell a story about what it is they might be able to do that you just would never consider. It just makes connections that were definitely not there years ago or not very easily. Um, Steve knows the story. I had a, when I worked in healthcare at a children's hospital, we had uh, a person who had been a floor finisher for about 22 years at the time. And, but he did a lot of work in his church. So he was comfortable standing in front of larger groups of people speaking, that sort of thing. And he, he also loved writing. And what we wound up doing is we were having a, a big issue at the time, communicating well with the entire housekeeping staff of several hundred people. It turned out that his skills outside of work, um, kind of his own time, wound up being what we actually, once we figured it out, it took a long time. Once we figured that out, he became sort of the voice of that entire 200 you know, person department and worked hand in hand with me and with the HR team and was writing. He was, you know, at the time we did newsletters and things like that internally in the hospital, but it was just a, an example where had we had some technologies like you all are offering now to sort of make those connections. Um, my gosh, you don't even know what talent you can really tap into, um, that people have. I absolutely agree. I think a lot of times there's, if you look at profiles, you know, if, if I reckon I'm looking at 50 candidates, Mm-hmm. The extracurricular activities are, there's, there's very little focus on that. Right. But a lot of times, as you just outlined, it says a lot about you as a human being or as an individual who's juggling many other things. You know, you're doing a professional job, you're a parent at home, you know, tending to young kids, but you're also running marathons. Mm-hmm. It, it says something about you as a human being, right? Um, a mini marathon, a marathon, whatever it is, your motivation you know, can be a significant contributor to success, curiosity. There's many things that, um, you know, as you said, a more complete profile says about you than, you know, just say, I have this degree and I've worked at this company. Right. And yeah. I think that's the big shift. You know, we're, we're truly able to start seeing the whole person yeah. and to celebrate that, which again, it's all sort of, you know, uh, brings in belonging. It makes the person feel more connected to the company and to their peers and to their bosses. And, you know, so it just having those skills made readily available through technology actually does so much more than just fill that position, which is how we've always thought of it. 
So I do love the direction that you're all going with that. And I think you're making it much easier for leaders to see those connections and make them. And, and equally important, I would say kudos to some of our customers and, you know, and many prospect conversations that we participate in. As, a, as much as we are innovating and introducing these things, there's many forward-thinking organizations, yes. whether it's on, um, you know, diversity and inclusion or, you know, corporate social responsibility, many things that are, have always been important, but their, you know, their importance only went up in the last few years. So, you know, we're thankful for the kind of uh, customers uh, and the thought leaders that we interact with. Nagraj, uh, Nagraj, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, about some of these other factors that are important in this idea of the kind of combating, if you will, the great resignation and trying to spin forward to uh, maybe the great attraction. I Before the show, I wanted to just, hmm, I'm like, I'm not sure I've seen that phrase really. So I, I just do what you do, right? I'm like, oh, I'll just Google the great attraction. There's really not too much out there yet on this. I found one interesting piece. It was from McKinsey. It was pretty good. It was pretty long too, but there's something that they had in there when they were discussing these ideas. And primarily it was about really, you know, to combat the great resignation, you really ought to know why people are resigning in the first place. And we could talk about exit interviews and things like that. But um, the reasons why people were saying that they were leaving jobs, according to this one bit of research versus what the employers and the leaders thought why people were leaving were different. There's, and that's classic, right? There's always, no matter what you survey on, there's always a disconnect between what employees say or feel or think and, and versus what, what leaders tend to say or feel or think. But here was kind of the the, the, the poll quote, and I'd love, for, uh, Nagaraj, you'd maybe think, comment on this, Trish too as well, um, was that employees in this, in this great resignation, this pandemic great resignation, tended to focus more on relational factors. So things like, do I fit in the organization? Do I see my, my role? Do we have a purpose? Diverse, diversity, equity, inclusion is another good one, Nagaraj, right? More relational factors and elements, whereas employers, at least in the first half of the pandemic anyway, tended to focus more on transactional factors, right? Mm -hmm. so, so we saw a lot of stay bonuses, retention bonuses, uh, sometimes even temporary uplifts in wages, especially for frontline workers, right? Like hazard pay that then got rescinded, you know? And the, the kind of point was that if you're focusing on transactional factors, the employee just feels like my relationship to the employer is just a series of transactions and I'm going to go, I will be happy to leave to some other employer who might value me a little bit more than just a transaction. So anyway, that was the takeaway from this, uh, this piece. And I thought it made a lot of sense. Uh, now, I don't know if that's something that's come up with your work with customers or, or even your own kind of your teams, right? You're managing lots of folks there too, who've gone through a lot too. I love your thoughts on that. Uh, uh, that, that yeah, idea. you touched on many things. And I think all of these are uh, factors, um, you know, it, if, if I go to ER, right, the ER's doctor's first response is I need to, you know, for whatever reason, if I go in, I need to make sure that they survive mm -hmm. for me to take care of the long-term, you know, health, sustain long-term health, right? So I think we've, as you absolutely rightly said, and the research points out, there's the oh my God, you know, if I'm a, a retail store, I need personnel, I'll do whatever it takes. It becomes transactional. But then you see the pattern repeat itself and you go, I'm doing something wrong. I need to be more thoughtful. Not that we weren't, but I think it's transitioned into, 
you know, what are the durable ideas, solutions that I need to put in place? And it, you know, whether it's deskless workers or professional workers, I think increasingly, whether it's, you know, whatever's the latest generation, Generation Z, all of us as human beings, we want to connect with a mission, right? What's the organization's mission, which goes back to corporate social responsibility? You know, do I connect with my team? You know, you start with the big and then you start looking at, you know, smaller rocks. All of them needs to make sense in some way, you know, that that relationship you talked about, our connect, connective tissue with the organization, with my team, with what I do, is it satisfying my personal curiosity, professional curiosity? All of these need to fall in place. Now, will it, is this applicable for all professions? Probably not, but um, I, I think it's, uh, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. You know, it's fascinating why, like, uh, the, I think you mentioned it earlier, Nagaraj, some of the things that were always kind of important, but maybe in, I don't know, better economic times. The, we were at full employment pretty much right before the pandemic. Uh, you know, we could kind of, I don't know, paper over some of these things. And the pandemic itself is just, you know, we talked about it a little bit. It's really just forced so many people to really reevaluate the their position, their idea of what how work fits into their lives, what what they feel like is meaningful in work and, and outside of work. And, and so that I think what employers employers really do have to think differently beyond the transaction, I guess is the way to say it, beyond just comp and Ben, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we could go on and on. I was reading a piece about some big tech company trying to drag people back into the workplace and they don't want to come. And the, the tech company, I'm, I'm not going to name them, was like, oh no, but free lunch is back, you know, kind of thing. And I don't know, the employees are just not super interested in that right now. Even compensation, you touched on, we, we touched on compensation many a times. I think, you know, one of the patterns we see not only with customers, but even us internally it only goes so far, you know, at the end of the day, top talent will always find opportunities, no matter what. So it's got to be more than that. So if you make X and, you know, 105% of that X, uh, you make someplace else, that 5% is not as meaningful as it was before, um, I would say. So I, I think one of the things I always, and this is advice I give to my own kids and I tell everybody, if I hire somebody, they've given me enough reason to take a chance with them. And I think, you know, generally it's been sort of employer to employee, but, you know, I think it's reversed now. Employers have to equally think along those lines to say, I need to give them a reason to be with me, right? Mm. Uh, so I, I think that it's become a lot more balanced and maybe it's a little imbalanced and more in favor of the, you know, talent. Mm. Uh, but I, I think it's an important, at least in my mind, I, I keep emphasizing that with everybody. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I think it's a very good point. I think, too, the thing that might be different than pre-pandemic is that if you were in a leadership role, really at any level of management, you know, you're sort of, I don't know if taught is the right word, but it's just a cultural thing that you you tend not to share with your team when there are pressures above you, when you are maybe struggling with things at home, when there are things that are scaring you or making you anxious or making you depressed, right? And I do think that the pandemic has sort of leveled the playing field a little bit just in how we all are dealing with work, right? Just because I have a leader title doesn't mean that I have everything under control, you know? Um, whether it's my work life or my personal life. And so I think too, 
that relationship is much more open. You start to see your leaders as people and not as just the title of leader. Um, and so whether they're a CEO or a mid-level manager, it doesn't much matter. Um, I think too, if, if the leaders and managers feel more comfortable sharing that, you know what, I'm having a day today where I'm struggling. I'm having a day where I can't really get it all done. I, it just makes that human connection so much stronger. Um, and I don't feel like we're hiding behind, I don't know, those titles any longer. The mask has fallen. Absolutely. It really has. Yeah. yeah. I, so. I couldn't feel more. I think it, if anything, I think that has, at least from my own personal experiences with my teams and as I see other leaders within, um, you know, uh, customer organizations that I interact with, it has, if, if, the, if we as a humanity had to deal with COVID, I think we've sustained that only because the mask has fallen. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise it would have been very, very difficult, I would say. Right, and I think we can learn from employees and we can learn from the younger generations too. I don't know about you, you mentioned you had children. I think that you know having this additional time with our kids, um, hearing their perspectives more than what we would have consumed before, right? Um, and, and now that we're kind of going back to a more transactional, even within your household, right? As people get back to their normal school schedules or normal sports schedules or whatever, um, the one thing that I've taken away from it is that I definitely listen to my children much more than I did before on real substantive issues and how to handle things. And they've watched me deal with work the last two years in a way they never had before. Um, they have all kinds of great ideas. You know, they're teenagers, but still, I think too, it opens your mind like, okay, I'm actually going to approach my work differently because I'm taking advice from an 18 year old, you know? And it all makes sense suddenly. So just some good advantages, I think, of, of what we've gone through. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, I think there's, um, you know, I can speak to my own household. There's a lot more dinner time conversations, more substantive yeah. conversations, more open-ended conversations than ever before. So, you know, I, every challenge in life, um, you know, we've seen the Great Recession, we've seen, you know, other challenges in our own lifetime, both economic and non-economic. Every challenge is an opportunity. Uh, and I think uh, I take a few steps back every once in a while to think about, oh, my gosh, as humanity across the globe, we've survived COVID, not knowing anything two years ago to where we are talking about, you know, <laughs> the, the demand supply picture reversed and yeah. right. Um, you know, two years ago, I couldn't have imagined that we'd have, be having this conversation because, no. you know, we're looking at the economy. Two years ago, I was driving all over town trying to buy hand sanitizer like a mania. There you, <laughs> like, there you go. We had different priorities back then, right? Yeah. But, but, so but it's, the, it's the human potential at the end of the day that keeps me um, very op optimistic in life in general. We could probably go on and on and on, which I won't. Uh, I'll I'll be merciful here on Nagaraj's time and, and and not not let that happen. But I think here I'm going to set up like the next conversation. Maybe we need to have perhaps with Nagaraj, or maybe we'll grab grab one of the other our friends at Oracle, which is this. And and I'm just teed up. We're going to leave it go though. This whole hybrid work thing, right? People starting to come back on this hybrid basis. I've read a bunch of stuff on it lately about how. Mm -hmm. 
hey, boy, you better manage that very carefully, very intentionally, and be aware of what that kind of means in the organization for things like uh, opportunities to work on high-profile projects, opportunities for promotions, um, you know, FaceTime, quote-unquote, with the leaders of the organization, et cetera. That's a really big, th- a really big deal, and perhaps, I don't know, maybe not being talked about as much as it should be. So I, I feel like as we talk about the attraction and resignation as well, I think this whole what that kind of design of work is going to shape up to be and how that's managed is going to be a really important issue too. I, I think we're, you know, the 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 book is being written as we speak about that, you know, organization, including Oracle, we're just beginning to reopen, we're learning. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot to talk about on, uh, on that front. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Nagaraj, great to see you. I really appreciate you taking some time with us. Uh, it's great to catch up. It's great to catch up. You know, the last thing I'll say, I just literally late last week, um, I I saw this you know, a few years ago, Deloitte put out some research, you know, they, they shared this with our customers at Open World uh, about multi-generational workforces. Mm-hmm. And boom, last Friday, there was a report that retired personnel are coming back to work, you know, to couple wow. okay. the work. We just, you know, it's still evolving story, right? Yeah. Uh, and it has many implications to, you know, whether they become temporary workforce or they become employees again, you know, having, you know, generation Z working with retired personnel who came back to work, all the generations in between. Oh my gosh, that's a fascinating story evolving in front of our eyes. It's yeah, definitely absolutely. an exciting time. And I think lots of opportunities to learn from, you know, generations, especially if they've taken some amount of retirement and come back, right? They they bring a whole wealthy perspective that a younger person might not have uh, have thought about from a work perspective. So, yeah. Very much great, so. Great, great, great stuff. So here's uh, two things I want to say. First of all, again, thanks, Nagaraj Nadenla, SVP Development, Oracle Cloud HCM. Great, great to catch up. Great to talk about what's going on in the world of work, what's going on with the great attraction, the great resignation, what's happening with some of your customers. It's been awesome to catch up. You can go to oracle.com slash HCM for tons of information, resources, thought leadership pieces, details on some of the product stuff that we talked about. Just it's a great, great resource for um, not just what's happening with Oracle HCM technology, but what's happening with, you know, human resources, the world of work and the workplace. It's a great resource. I literally, I I go there so often when I type the letter O into my browser, it auto fills oracle.com slash, I'm not kidding. I did it this morning. It fills in oracle.com slash HCM for me when I type the letter O. How about that? Love it. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Uh, so uh, again, thank you, uh, Nagaraj. Trish, thanks so much. Uh, great to uh, catch up. And uh, thanks for listening to the HR. Uh, oh, I said it wrong. Trish, we have a new show name. I, I was about to say thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour show. No, say it the right but, uh, way. Thanks for listening to the At Work in America show on the HR Happy Hour podcast network. See all the show archives at hrhappyhour.net. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.